Paul, how are you doing? Uh, are you bl- glad or sad to see Arsene Wenger go? We want you to stay. We want you to stay. Um, I mean, we talked about him on the podcast bonus content last week at some length. I do feel a strange sense of affection towards Arsene Wenger, although I'm with the people. I was listening to the Second Captain's podcast this week. Ken Earlies was having a great big rant about how ridiculous it is that Wenger's complaining about the culture of fans complaining about the football when they're played, when the fans are paying more than anyone else to watch their team massively underperform in exactly the same way. Can you even get a season ticket at the Emirates for less than a thousand pounds? I don't think you can, can you? I can't say I'll be glad to see the back of that nonce. Ed, come on. Too far. What? Too, what? Alex Ferguson himself. Look, look in, in, in the suburbs of Paris, yeah. nonce is a term of endearment. <laughs> um, I've got a, a behind-the-scenes question for you, Ed. Uh, I let the listeners behind the, question, behind the curtain question. It, right. In your intro there, did you just say the bit at the, about transfer news at the end just because you were in a rhythm and needed one extra thing to tack on? That's it, okay, yeah. Great, yeah. You always need three things to talk I'm, about, don't I'm you? I'm frantically Googling Manchester United transfer rumours here because I've got no idea what's going on. Well, we can just talk generally, you know. that's what we, like, we, We've got nothing to talk about because, honestly, that United versus Arsenal game was like a pre-season friendly, wasn't yeah. it? It was... Uh, although uh, Fellaini celebrated the winner uh, with some passion, saying goodbye to Old Trafford. He's, uh, this is the joke, is it? This is the transfer news. Uh, Martial's going to be flogged, so is Mata and any other talented player we've got. And Fellaini's going to sign a new £400,000 a week contract. Well, we need him because, as friend of the show, Cal Gildart, post, pointed out to me on WhatsApp uh, at the end of this game, by far and away, Manchester United's most effective tactic for the whole post-Ferguson era has been young to Fellaini at Lump the back it stick. To <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's... Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally route one. Well, our version of route one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let, well, let's talk about the game. Um, uh, this stuff happened. Was this the lowest intensity game of the season? It felt like it. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, Arsenal picked a bunch of kids, um, players I'd uh, literally never heard of. I think only one player I'd literally never heard of before, Konstantinos Mavropanos. That was that was a new one for me. Um, but yeah, lots of very young players in that side. For some of the first half, it sort of looked like you should have been playing them all season, really. Uh, they Ainsley, Maitland-Niles certainly a better player than Granite Xhaka, a better option than Granite Xhaka, you'd imagine, who Xhaka somehow managed to get himself booked in the first half of that incredibly low-intensity game. I, I guess you kind of can can see the fact how low-intensity he was by the fact that he was the only player on either time, either side to get a booking at any point during that game. Yeah, I thought, actually, Maitland-Niles had a decent game. He's, he's a tidy player, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, he plays a lot of one-touch football, has a lot of faith in his own technique. Yeah. Um, you can you can see he's been coached uh, in the right way and and eventually kind of just faded out of the game into nothingness. So coached in the Arsenal way too. <laughs> oh gosh, oh, it feels cruel to a child. But listen, um, a big hug at the end. Hey, look, I have no problem beating on children. <laughs> a big hug at the end of the game between uh, between Paul Pogba and Maitland Niles and a, a long chat. Um, maybe they'll be both joining forces at Manchester City in a couple of seasons or something. Oh, ouch. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, we're rambling around the subject, but, uh, I mean, almost nothing happened uh, for much of that first half. It was really, really, really quiet. I mean, I, I guess Arsenal started the game OK, didn't they? You know, played some nice football, created a couple of chances, 
Um, uh, although it was always United, uh, although Arsenal were playing the prettiest stuff in that first half, it was always United that uh, were creating the better chances, I'd say. Fin- finished the game having um, scored more goals, obviously. Uh, creating more chances, creating more big chances, had more passes in the final third, had more passes overall. Uh, so Mourinho, you know, will be uh, will be well pleased with that, even in a, a very low intensity game. Yeah, and a, a a big win in the XG for United, one point five five to zero point six five in that uh, in that game. Uh, and so United were looking sort of. There was a, a degree of fire in some of the counter attacks, particularly I thought Pogba, Lingard, Sanchez. Even Lukaku as well, actually. They all, they all kind of looked up for it early doors. It, it, it's a game in which the second half, I think, had the least intensity of any any game I can remember. The first half, especially the first half an hour, had some had some fire to it. And, and Sanchez clearly desperate to get a goal. A beautiful cross from Romelu Lukaku. Or should I say another beautiful cross from Romelu Lukaku. A, a huge asset in his game. And unlucky not to add to his seven Premier League assists this season. Um, as Alexis's uh, header, it looked like he'd headed the ball straight onto the post, but actually it was a magnificent block from Bellerin, um, taking a break from absolutely spectacular menswear choices to um, <laughs> to make the block. And then Pogba just uh, scooped it up. And it was kind of nice that Pogba got on the end of it because he'd done a lot of good work in the build-up to get the ball out to Lukaku. Although, of course, everyone would have enjoyed an Alexis goal. Uh, everyone would have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no. That's uh, look. Uh, you you talked about Lukaku's uh, crossing ability. Sometimes forwards are the best crossers. They know where to put it, don't they? I mean, remember uh, when Oli Solskjaer had a spell a season or so when he played out on the right, yeah, in some blinding crosses. Big. So it is it is good part of um, Lukaku's game. Uh, he had a decent game. Um, uh, worrying about his uh, ankle problem, isn't it? Let's hope that's just a, a knock and not a ligament. I guess by the time this comes out, we'll know more. If it's a ligament problem, if he's twisted it, although from the slow-mos it didn't look like it, but if it is, he'll he'll miss the cut final, which will be a big miss. Uh, if it's just a knock, then then he should be okay. Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's it, it both is and isn't a big miss. I mean, he's a fine player and he's scored a lot of goals, but... We've got like loads of options at centre forward. You know, Lukaku going off means Marcus Rashford might play at centre forward in the cup final. I don't think I'd be going into that game going, oh no, Marcus Rashford's playing up front. No, quite, yeah. Plenty of options in in, uh, attacking areas. So, uh, what else happened this game? Pogba got an assist. Did he? Fortunate. Well, Sort of, no, he got a goal. He got a goal. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's better than a, got a literally goal. one. But you goal. really did. You really lost your maybe. Maybe your focus and intensity really went during this dead run. I think you might have yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hard to get excited about that one. Yeah, I was still fuming from uh, Fellaini missing from out a foot out, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the goal being chalked off right at the end when he bloody scored. I think your um, so. I think your stream was quite a long way behind because he'd scored by the time you were moaning about his header in the group chat. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I had a, a, a very nice stream of uh, the NBC sports coverage, which was which was actually decent. So, um, uh, Graham Lasso and Lee Dixon on co-coms uh, with a bit of banter. Okay. Better than Jim Beglin or Martin Keown um, or other options out there. Henry Mkhitaryan returned to Old Trafford and did one of the six good things he's ever done at Old Trafford um, with a beautiful goal. You asked what Matic and Smalling were doing. And my reply was they presumably just assumed he'd miss, having 
played with him for so long, but he didn't. Matic was thinking about the cup final because he pulled out of a tackle. <laughs> Smalling couldn't decide whether to come or go, which is kind of sums up his whole defensive sort of MO, doesn't it? Um, and uh, Mkhitaryan strolled through to score. Yep, yeah, uh, a fine goal. It was a fine goal, a good long-range effort, and you know we all know it is tough to beat David De Gea from range. There was a moment during the, the uh, Sky coverage where Alan Smith the former Arsenal striker was uh, talking about how Arsenal had made a couple of chances and how it wasn't easy to create chances at Old Trafford given how good United's defensive record was was here. And I was thinking, no, that is someone that's just looked at the goals conceded column because it's not that hard to make chances. It's just that United have got the best goalkeeper in the history of the game between the sticks. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, you talked about XG earlier. Uh, David De Gea's XG against score is is um, very healthy, you know. So I, I think United is something like uh, should have conceded something like thirteen extra goals this season. Uh, much of that down to De Gea. Uh, talk, talk during the week. Um, if we, I can just interject with some transfer news that uh, um, De Gea may be on his way. Sp- paper talk, of course. Uh, I think Mourinho gave that pretty short shrift and. Uh, De Gea uh, giving an interview this week didn't seem like a man who was on his way out. I I don't think he will be, will he? That said, um, Navas was pretty shaky in the uh, in the European Cup semi final against Bayern. The, wasn't the what? He? Sorry, I, I didn't think there were any more European games this season. I thought I thought we agreed that apparently. was all cancelled because of the unfortunate incident that happened the night before the Real Madrid game. Uh, yeah, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just I I heard there was some game that was cancelled the night before, so the result doesn't stand. Something like that, anyway. Yeah, if, if only, if only. <laughs> um, yeah, talking about Europe, um, uh, Vin, uh, Vincenzo Montella, uh, former now former manager of Sevilla, sacked this week after Sevilla went on a nine-game um, uh, non-winning run. I was going to say losing run, but it didn't lose all of them. Last time they won against United. <sighs> what a football! heritage um yeah this game Martial came on towards the end put a beautiful chance on a plate for Chris Smalling um I mean you know he's a he's a a a central defender so be harsh to say you know he should have scored because well it would be nonsense in fact to say that he should have scored but he uh he fluffed fluffed at the shot which was unfortunate Martial coming on at the moment just makes me sad every time it happens because I've become utterly convinced he's going to leave in the summer um and I'm I'm just not okay it's going to take a while this one this one's going to hurt for a while um He's going to go somewhere, score an absolute bag full of goals under a coach that allows him to play. Yeah, I mean, and and in a way, it's like not in a kind of stylistic way because when he does play, he is allowed to play. He plays with a lot of freedom. He, you know, he's clearly got a brief that he can run with the ball and do all the things that he wants to do when he plays. It's just he's a player that should be in the team every week, and and he's a he's a player that should be in a team every week. I I, I think. You know, Alexis is now, at least now we can say Alexis has hit some form and is actually playing well. So it's not like he's playing terribly and keeping Martial out of the side. But anyway, we've we've had this conversation. There's, there's no point retreading this old, sad ground again. Yeah, um, I guess so. Anyway, he came on, didn't he? And uh, it, wasn't it him that floated the crossover for, for Laney to knock it against the post before Rashford put it in? Yeah, it was. Oh. Yeah, there you go. So... Um... 
he had some impact on the game. Yeah, and he, he like I said, he set up that one smalling chance. He, I mean, there was he had a chance himself, which he slightly scuffed, which was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, then that Fellaini Fellaini moment probably maybe could have asked Fellaini to do better than that. Although it is a pretty tricky situation to. He- what heading yeah, head- from three yards heading out? Heading is difficult, isn't it? It is fundamentally. Well, it's for Fellaini, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and and then finally it went in, and and uh, uh, Mourinho and Wenger were in the technical area by the time the United scored. Wasn't an awful lot of reaction from either of them. Uh, I think they were having a sort of laugh and joke by that stage, anyway, because no one really cared much. Except for Fellaini, who celebrated like it's his last ever goal for United. We, let's hope so. You know, well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's hope he's coming to the end of his time. I wouldn't mind if he scores one in the FA Cup final in the last minute. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you said like, this is we talk about XG a lot on this show, and, and I do find it to be a fascinating um, subject. And you directed me to this website called Understat, uh, which I'd never come across before. And, and it... You can you can see the XG, the expected goal rating of every shot. So, for example, uh, and and XG is is a very inexact science, in my opinion, my kind of layman's opinion. It would seem to me that there are there are a good number of rough edges to be polished with XG. But the XG on Paul Pogba's chance is massive. It's a 0.66, so it's an open play, I guess, with the ball coming back off the post and and. Uh, you would expect that to go in more than half the time. But the and and the header that Marouane Fellaini scored way down at 0.03 XG. Um but the, the chance that he missed was was uh, 0.12. So XG would have that goal going in as a header one in ten times. 10% basically, the time, yeah. Which which kind of shows you that the eye the, this this kind of he should have scored that. The numbers don't stack up, do they? Yes, although that will take uh, that will take into account all situations in that particular zone, mm. and typically you'd have a defender there. And Marion Fellaini didn't have any defenders there. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is a good point. Yeah, so so what you're saying is that's all open play headers from crosses from about from about eight yards, eight yards out. out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Fair enough. So in that situation, there's a good example of where XG is needs a bit more polish because you'd imagine that the the number of times that scored when when see this is how boring that Arsenal game was. Just a bunch of like all I want to do is have an in depth conversation about the maths of one of the chances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where do United go from here? I mean, like, it's uh, one point needed, I think, to... No, no, that's it, isn't it? It's qualification for Champions League done, and I think it's another four points to guarantee second spot, which ought to ought to come. You know, I think second pot spot is almost done, and uh, especially with Liverpool focusing on the Champions what? League. Sorry? A lot of changes the for the their... Oh. Yeah, yeah, that, that thing, <laughs> okay. that thing. Okay. Doesn't really count. Friend, so it's a friendly, friendly yeah, European international tournament. international champions. Inter- cup. That's what. Yeah, what yeah. Is it the Anglo-Italian okay, cup? Okay, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, although it might not be very friendly when Liverpool turn up in Rome, given what happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, so it's um, uh, yeah, you know, with Liverpool concentrating on other things, uh, made a lot of changes for their draw with. Um, who did they draw with? Burnley? No, someone uh, at the weekend. And, uh, you know, we expect them maybe to do the same again if they 
um, if they manage to hold on to their lead against uh, Roma and, and uh, you know, they maybe will be slipping away and, and, fourth, and second place will be locked up. They drew with Stoke yeah. at home, Stoke. which is unforgivable. That's, that's, I, don't, I don't care how many Champions League semi-finals you're in between. He shouldn't be drawing with Stoke at home. Not this Stoke, anyway. Um, so United, no, United... in fact, so, you know, the only things that may actually um, matter at all this season, uh, I mean, there's the fight between Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs for third and fourth, isn't there? Third, fourth and fifth. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the only other thing that matter will be the, the relegation battle, which is looking pretty bloody tight right now. Yeah, I mean, I messaged uh, you just the day before the, the games kicked off saying it looks all done because you were there were there were games that were you'd have expected to go in a different direction um this this weekend just gone like Southampton I don't think anybody uh, would have backed Southampton. Well, I guess getting a result against Bournemouth at home is not that surprising, except in as much as it's surprising for Southampton to be winning games. Um, and Swansea lost to Chelsea, which is not that surprising, obviously. Uh, and now that's all really tight. So there's there's um, three points between Southampton in 18th and West Ham in 15th. And that involves West Ham, Huddersfield and Swansea. Now, you would imagine that West Ham and Huddersfield are probably going to be all right because you know there's there's the that buffer team in between them but it's it's not impossible with three games to go that we might get a big swing I mean a team that probably really are all right is Brighton who are now um five points clear and a bit of goal difference as well yeah probably only need a draw yeah um, and maybe yeah, two to, maybe two to make absolutely certain. maybe not even that they might well just have enough points already to stay up given yeah. how many teams H- Huddersfield's got a, pro- a bit of a problem because they play uh, Manchester City Chelsea and Arsenal in their final three games. Is it, are they um, at home to Arsenal? Because if they are, that'll be fine. They're at home to Arsenal, of course, which is almost a gimme because yeah. uh, Arsenal have lost 475 games away from home in a row. Zero points away from home in 2018. Zero. Zero. Do you know why that is? Because when you're playing away from home, you need just a little bit of, <laughs> you know, mental toughness. Just a tiny little bit. Tiny little, maybe just a smidgen more than a toddler. Um, Southampton playing Everton away, Swansea at home. Oh, Swan- no, sorry. Everton and Swansea away back to back. So they're going to need a result against Everton and then that Swansea game is going to be absolutely massive, obviously. Yeah, and on the final day of the season, Swansea play Stoke. And Southampton play City, which uh, City don't seem to be showing any signs of champions hangovers. I think they want points, don't they? And they want to get a big, big points tally this season. That's what they're playing for. But United... Well, they've already got a big well, points yeah, tally. Yeah, yeah. A real, real um, Yeah, and unfortunately, if they're on 99 on the final day of the season, that's going to be a, a rather shame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there you go. Um, so the, uh, the situation between United and Liverpool is that Liverpool are five points... Um, behind United, but they've only got two games to play. So United only need... They've got better goal difference, though, I guess. So United need at least one... Two points. I mean, beat... beat Actually, yeah, right. So that's that's right. So beat Brighton next weekend. It should be done. Yeah, uh, although Tottenham, Tottenham have got a game in hand on us. So they've played 34, which means they've got four games. So they could get to 80 points. So, uh, But right. their, their goal difference is a fair bit worse than us. Five five goals worse than us. So second looking... Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's super interesting, though, for third, fourth and fifth. You know, Chelsea suddenly hit a bit of form. Yep. And now 66 points, 35 games played. Spurs, 34 games, 68. Liverpool, 36, 72. And, and uh, if they get to the... Uh, 
you know, Anglo-Italian cup final will give up on their last two, I would think. Spurs. Uh, in order to make sure all the players are fresh. Spurs have, have had a little mini wobble. Um, lost to City, drew with Brighton away, lost to us. They're playing Watford well, they at home got, tomorrow. They always get a bit spursy at the end of the season. Yeah, and they didn't last season, did they? But there was kind of no pressure on them by, by that point. Um, but there's they, they play Watford at home uh, tomorrow. And then, so let's assume that they win that game. That would leave them on 71 points, um, five points ahead of Chelsea. So so huge amount rests on whether they, they beat Watford at home. If, <coughs> if they do, you'd, you'd say they're probably nailed on for the... Nailed on for the, that, the top four spot. And apparently, I've been corrected in a number of places, um, fourth and third, it's the same this season. The team from England is going, the fourth place team is going straight into the group stages. Right, interesting. Is that to do with our coefficient? Uh, that would be United winning the Euro, Europa League last season. Uh, yeah, you, you're welcome, Premier League. You're welcome. Um, I, I wonder whether it's to do with... Hold on. So UEFA have altered the formats. The format change will be implemented from the start of next season. Top four teams are getting straight passage in. Uh, I think that's just. I think that is just changes. Um, fundamental changes to the to the system. Uh, no, no, it is coefficient. It is indeed coefficient. There you go. It's because we are third in the coefficient. So yeah, you are welcome. Whoever finishes fourth. Which won't be us, you oh, know. Right. We, we are. I, I think it, it's it's virtually nailed on that we finish second in the league this season. Not not quite, but but real yep. close. Um. So look, it's it's going to be since Ferguson retired. This is going to be the best season in terms of points, yep. goals scored, uh, wins, uh, and all of that. So you know, undoubtedly, there were definitely frustrations. There are frustrations. Uh, with the way Mourinho has played in some of the big games, um, uh, frustrations in losing to teams that United shouldn't have lost to, definite frustrations with the way United went out of said Anglo-Italian Cup, mm. um, and you know, so definitely not perfect. But um, and, and you know, there's the frustration knowing that Mourinho will prob- probably never let the horses run freely properly. Um, but it's a, it's a big platform to build on, you know. When when we go and spunk, you know, six hundred million in the transfer market on fullbacks this summer, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because earlier this season, I was getting very frustrated with the kind of messaging of, oh, there's nothing that could have been done, no team could have hung with City this year, and that didn't really seem to tally up with like how United were also sort of letting themselves down. Like, let's say we win every game between now and the end of the season. So um, that gets us to a total of um, eighty-six points. Ah, you win the which is a very healthy yeah, total. You win the Premier League. Would have won the league in quite a few leagues seasons. Yeah. So you know, in the end, it's it's probably, but but losing six games is a lot, isn't it? That's that's a lot of games to be losing in season. And we haven't won the the three games that would earn us those nine points yet. And there's there's every chance we'll have a little wobble um, as we build towards the FA Cup final. You'd imagine that's that's entirely Mm -hmm. possible. Entirely possible. Well, let's uh, shall we take some uh, rank cast questions? Yes, please. We we have a few. Uh, quite a lot. Uh, in fact, I, I'm going to ignore all the ones that say, is this an automated tweet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. I did change the... Uh, did you see, anyone see the subtle change in question? <laughs> uh, Lucas, at Lucas underscore M-U-T-D, says, hi, Paul. He says hi, Paul, hi Lucas. every week. Uh, but we'll get some real questions. Uh, 
Lewis Figo on Twitter says, uh, not the Lewis Figo, says, will we miss the lanky poodle when he goes? <laughs> oh, no. No, I won't. I get the, I get the, the subculture among a certain sphere of United support, which is Fellaini's treated very unfairly by United support in general. He's never given anything other than his all for the shirt. Um, never really complained about being mostly used as a substitute for a lot of his United career. Um, but and he, and he is an incredible asset in very specific ways, uh, as we saw today and as we've seen plenty of times during his United career. But it does he is he part of the kind of United you want to see? My answer to that question is no. He, he there's too much root one involved. That magnificent world class chest control doesn't make up for the rest of it. I don't like the elbows. I I won't miss him and, you know, I don't wish him any harm or anything. And, and of course, I've always cheered him in the stadium and celebrated the goals he scored. And, he, you know, he does have value, but, yeah, not a massive Fellaini fan. Yeah, uh, me neither. I, I'll gladly, I'll gladly see him go. Um, uh, I, I guess, you know, the bean counters at United would like him to sign a new contract, so at least we could sell him, but... Uh, uh, you know, bye bye. Um, at Bourne underscore and underscore Red says, uh, do you think Fosu Mensah is good enough uh, going forward to be United's l- long term right back? Well, interesting season for Fosu Mensah because he's played about half of Palace's game. Palace had a terrific win this week, and Fosu Mensah wasn't playing and not on bench either. So I'm not sure whether he's injured at the moment. Um, about half the Premier League games, a little less than that. So he's he's perhaps not been as involved as um, United would like him. He's played mostly at right back. I wouldn't say he's a natural right back by any means, but United definitely on the lookout for one uh, this summer. Is Fosu who mentioned the answer? I'd, I'd suspect that United will go shopping first. Yeah, it's, it's uh, really interesting to think about what kind of position he's going to develop into. You wonder whether, you know, if we remember Chris Smalling and Phil Jones both had seasons where they played predominantly at right back and, and Fosu Mensah really could potentially be a pretty fine defensive midfielder. He definitely has all the assets and I don't think it's that kind of Rio Ferdinand situation where an obvious centre-back, we're talking about playing him in in the centre of midfield. I, I think, you know, Fosu Mensah's played plenty of midfield uh, played in midfield plenty of times in youth football. Um, I was on full-time levels this week and did this impossible task, which is pick United starting 11 in five years. And I had Fosu Mensah starting as part of a double pivot, you know, um, in the centre of midfield. Uh, I don't think that's impossible. Not, not impossible and he's still only 20. So yeah. plenty of time uh, on his hands to um, to improve. Um you know, it's a big question whether Mourinho will give him the time. I suspect not. Maybe it's another loan next season. Um, uh, at Moo underscore CW says, why is Jamie Redknapp such a bell end? I don't know what this is relating to, but it just is. It's in his nature. I mean, Harry, Harry Redknapp is his dad. Wow. That's, a, that's pretty slanderous, that That's is. a tough legacy to wow. live up to wow. in terms of growing up and not being a bit of a what's-it. Harry Redknapp's your dad, and you're a professional footballer. That is a that is a tough combination to overcome, personality wise. Uh, at Mundus one zero one zero says, uh, with the season nearly over, we need to discuss Alexis's impact. Mm. Excellent footballer, takes some convincing. Uh, the, the opportunity cost, 
of unsettling Rashford and Martial is worth it. Go for it. Is it too early or too late to assess his impact? I mean, we're going to lose Martial this summer, aren't we? Uh, And it's directly related to bringing Alexis in. Worth it? Uh, I mean... uh, No, not for me. It's not worth losing Martial. Um, But it's the kind of club we are now, I guess. And it's certainly the kind of club we are under Mourinho. Alexis is the finished product in a way that Martial isn't. I think the the one thing that would have been really worrying if if would have been if Alexis's very lacklustre form had continued. Um, But he's definitely starting to really adapt and make a kind of key definitive impact in a lot of games. And he is an absolutely brilliant footballer. So it's not like, wow, 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 we've got Alexis Sanchez on the left wing. I hate it. Um, but it is um, it is a huge... Assuming we do lose Martial, that, that's, a, that's a really sad state of affairs that we've abandoned a kind of young, amazing talent who could have been you know, a lifelong cult hero at Man United in favour of a 29-year-old world superstar. Right, yeah. Um, Is my cat playing? Says, uh, I think Martial's our best outfield player. If we sell him, I'll be as sad as when Cantona left. Am I being melodramatic? (laughs) Yeah, a little, a touch. A little, (laughs) a touch, a touch. But look, he's a fantastic talent. I I think this one could come back to haunt us. Um, I'll I'll be... absolutely gutted if we sell Martial. By, out of all the players that we've lost in the in the churn of the post-Ferguson era, you know, players like Di Maria, talent, potential talents like Memphis, you know, none of those will hold a candle to how disappointing and upsetting it will be if, you know, the manager's created a culture in which Martial is best served by leaving. Right. A lot, lot of talk and comparison, of course, with uh, Mohamed Salah, and uh, Kevin De Bruyne, and both rightly so, go by Mourinho. Mourinho tried to defend himself this week, saying yeah, it was Chelsea that sold Mohamed Salah, not me. Uh, there's... Which was interesting because there's some other quotes floating <laughs> yeah. around that seem to suggest otherwise. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, plenty of things that he's personally said which directly contradict that. Uh, yeah, who did it best, Chicharito or Fellaini? I'm assuming they mean the back <laughs> header. Yeah. I've... I mean, look, terrific skill to backheader it in. Oh, that's why it's such. That's why it's 0.03 xg, isn't it? It's because it was a backwards header. Um, uh, no, I mean, I think Fellaini's is much more convincing than Chicharito's. Chicharito's, I, I also think was. Uh, I think Chicharito was closer to the goal as well. So it was. He it was. He had less to do in terms of steering the ball into the net with the back of his head, and it was more about just exerting some pressure on the ball with the back of his head to knock it into the net. Um, no, I'm, I'm giving that. I'm giving that one to Fellaini. Hmm. Uh, this means Bog Brush is staying, doesn't it? Sad smiley faces. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> left. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've we've thought about that. Um, I'm not a Russian bot. Says at five P K N two F L X F O R K C F S. Yeah, right. That's what all the Russian bots say. <laughs> I know that's right. Seeing as Mkhitaryan didn't celebrate after scoring, what are your thoughts on players not celebrating against their former teams? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I think players should celebrate because uh, they're so celebrating with the fans, and you can uh, you can be certain that Arsenal's fans were celebrating. Um, no, I think it's fine. I, I think it's. I think 
it, I think it depends on how the player is treated by the home supporters. I think if the home supporters do what United fans did and give a polite round of applause, um, then you've every reason to kind of be a bit muted in your celebration. Not apologetic, but muted. You know, just kind of give a wave to the supporters who you've scored for, and but don't go absolutely mad. Um, but like when Danny Welbeck went mad scoring in the that FA Cup game, I was I was like <laughs> well fuming. Um, but then <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was it was okay. I think it was uh, fair play. Um, at Mank underscore Mike says, assuming second place is secured, are any academy players worth making an appearance in the final games of the season? Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, depends what what academy team you you're talking about. What? Like, my first answer is no, because don't lose momentum ahead of the uh, FA Cup final. Uh, it's not like there's a bunch of midweek games uh, coming up before the end of the season. Um, my second answer is, you know, he's under three, tw- under twenty three side got relegated this season. <laughs> not a great team. Um, the under eighteens won their league. Uh, yeah, they they did, and um, there are there are some some really fine players in that team. I mean, Mason Greenwood scored. A ton of goals, good seventeen goals in sixteen appearances for the under eighteens this season, um, and got six assists as well. Uh, I mean, Tay Chong's so young, but he's obviously like a real talent. Angel Gomez is the obvious answer, isn't it? I mean, do, do we do we count him? It wouldn't be a debut. I think if it's a debut, you're looking at Greenwood, maybe Ethan Ethan Laird, um, the left back. But no. We'll see you on the last game of the season. Yeah. I wanted to say uh, about celebrations, it? by the way, if the the fans of the team that you've left are giving you horrendous stick all the way through, then you should do exactly what Robin Van Persie did and wildly over-celebrate your goals against your own side. Yeah, grabbing the badge and kissing it and running to the opposition fans, yeah. Um, a whole bunch of questions about uh, United not being able to take corners. I have to say, I haven't, I haven't looked at the stats. Have Have we scored many goals from corners this season? Uh, no, I mean... Th- I think corners are hard. I think this is the this is the the general rule is that teams just don't score many goals from corners and and I, I sort of think our corners have got a little bit better in the last season and certainly in the in the the post Ferguson years there was a long stretch of really really terrible corners. Van Persie took him didn't he in the, in that the twelve thirteen season and he was very good. There was a, a brief period where Nani seemed to be able to take corners, but that went quickly. Rooney was always... For me, it all went downhill uh, once they took uh, Phil Jones off corners. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just it's just never been the same since David Beckham left, has it? You know, this is, let's, yeah. let's get it right. Magnus Henderson at Magnus BH says, uh, friend of the friend of the the uh, show, friend of the, friend of the site. Yeah. He, he actually writes more for United Run than I. <laughs> every, every, uh, literally everyone on earth writes more for United Run than you do. These yeah, days, I know. I'm going to make a decision about that. Um, is Lindelof a future mainstay for United's defence? We look more comfortable dominating games with him him at the back. Well, he certainly looked more comfortable. I mean, he's definitely not error free. Um, is he, you know, either big error or little errors in positioning and stuff like that. I wouldn't really blame him for Arsenal's goal. I think the blame can be apportioned elsewhere for that. But he's very, very comfortable on the ball, and I think that helps a lot. Um, of course, allied to that is the fact that Eric Bailly isn't playing at all at the moment, which is pretty worrying. Atish J underscore J says, where's Bailly? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a strange one. I wonder whether he has done something to displease the great one. 
Um, or he was on the bench last week, not even on the bench this week. I mean, whether that's just a question of rotation and all that stuff. Uh, the, to go back to the Lindelof point, I'm always really happy nowadays when Lindelof's in the, on in the side against certain teams because I mean, like bad teams at home. So, for example, when we play Arsenal, um, because it's um, it's nice how comfy he is on the ball, and it makes such a big difference when you know. It reminds me, I just think about how much Louis Van Gaal would have loved Victor Lindelof. They just really loved him. A Lindelof Blind oh, yeah. central defensive partnership was <laughs> been the dream. Tippy tapping it to each other, yeah. you know, for 19, 90 minutes. Yeah. If you could take a player out the back of OT and stick a bullet in his the back of his head, who would it be and why? I mean, it's a bit mean, but, you know, given that we were talking about, well, you were talking about pushing Fellaini out of a plane no. on the uh, Rankast WhatsApp group, then uh, it's fair game. Uh, that's uh, from at Sean Hamster. That's... I think it would be Fellaini, wouldn't it? I wouldn't put a bullet in any of them. <laughs> It was not me that was talking about pushing him out of a plane, Ed. I've got the screenshots to back it up. Um, the fake news, yeah. fake, fake, crank caller. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. I, the one player that I would happily learn to become a professional pilot so I could fly him to his next club would, without a doubt, be Fellaini. Um, but even him, I don't wish any personal harm on. Mm. Um, and uh, f- final question this week. Richie C one three one says, "Will we still be three players away from challenging uh, for the title next season, and the season after that, and the season after that?" No, I mean, I, I think genuinely the answer to that question might well be yes. I think I think we might have done a Liverpool. Um, I think that might have happened. I think I think it's going to partly part of it will depend on what happens around us because, of course, one of the reasons Liverpool did a Liverpool is that United emerged. You know, and and became this kind of, you know, they filled the vacuum in dramatic style. Now we don't yet know whether City will be dynastic in that way. I mean, they've won three league titles since 2012, so that's one one every two years, right? They won. Have they gone more than two years without winning? I think maybe just once. Yeah, because it went City, Leicester, Chelsea, City. But you'd imagine right. there's every chance City win the title next season. I guess a lot will depend on what happens when Guardiola goes. Um, there, we don't know what's going to happen with Arsenal, but they are structurally set up. Um, if they get their appointments right, the, all the infrastructure's there that they could be a really big deal in the Premier League. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, we know are perfectly capable of challenging repeatedly. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen yet with the kind of project teams, which is Liverpool and Tottenham. And so if one of those really catches fire, then I think it's going to be really difficult for United to establish a, a foothold and maybe really difficult for United to win even, say, one championship in the next five years. I mean, if you project it out from where we are now, I'd say it looks pretty likely that United are going to win one of the next five league titles. Yeah, uh, that transition away from Guardiola will make a big difference, mm. I think. Um, we'll see. We'll see if he wants to hang around for another 10 years or not. Uh, it would seem unlikely. All right. Um, plenty of Rankast questions this week. Uh, we, we've we got a game against Brighton coming up. What do you know about Brighton, Paul? Give us all your in-depth research and knowledge. No, no, no. Come on. We promised the listeners something before the show started. You talked a big game in the intro. So let's before we get into the Brighton stuff, let's talk about the transfer market. Oh, uh, 
what's Joy. what is going to happen? Who who have United been linked to? Um, I see I see the the news headline here. I say that very lightly. United to suffer blow in Antoine Griezmann chase as new contract talks with Atletico Madrid begin. I don't know if you've looked at our squad recently, but there is no room for Antoine Griezmann. I mean, I love him, um, but there is no room for him in that squad. Yeah, I don't think he's coming to United and uh, I don't think it's a blow because I'm pretty sure they've given up on him um, and he's off to Barcelona, isn't he? Um, I don't know who United have been linked with. I don't read any of the transfer market gossip, but uh, I guess we can we can talk about what United might need. So where do you, where do you think, you know, Jose actually this week said, uh, uh, basically suggested United wouldn't be spending a huge amount of money. Um We'll see whether that's uh, the truth or not. I'm sure behind the scenes he's demanding lots of money. Of course, if he doesn't get what he wants and United don't start next season too well, you can be sure he's out of a job by December. So uh, the board better buy him what he wants, uh, which is, I'm sure, a couple of fullbacks and maybe even another centre-back and presumably a midfielder since Fellaini and Carrick are both going. Well, on the 25th of April 2018, the most heartening story in the world appeared... Manchester United want Johnny Evans back from West Brom for a cup post. Three million. <laughs> yes. Well, West Brom aren't down yet. They're the Premier League's form team. <laughs> That's true, actually. Imagine if they do it. That would be amazing. I would love to see that happen. Um, but no, I, so... Since, uh, I mean, you'd have to say that the number one priority's got to be fullbacks. I, I mean, for me, the number one priority is a right-back. But I guess... Mourinho might see that differently because he clearly doesn't see a future in Luke Shaw. Um, but even, I think, if you just look at Young and Valencia, maybe this is controversial, but I would rather have Ashley Young at left-back with a really top-class right-back um, than a really top-class left-back with Antonio Valencia at right-back. Hmm. Uh, there's, uh, there's quite a few decent players available for free this summer if Mourinho's... Uh, budget is is uh, as thin as he's making out. Uh, Stefan De Vrij, very good Lazio centre back. He's available, free, twenty six million, twenty six million, twenty six. What? Uh, <laughs> might be Emre Chan is available from Liverpool. Would we be interested? <laughs> no, no. So. We, we, we hold on, hold on. Let me just. No, definitely not. <laughs> Mario Balotelli is interested. Uh, is uh, interested? I'm sure he's interested. Is available? Um, no, thanks. I mean, we just don't need him. I quite like Balotelli, but we don't need him. Jack Wilshire is available. I would take would Jack Wilshire. Like a, I would, would, 100%, would we like an injury prone? Uh, yeah, I'd 100% take Jack Wilshire on a free. For, I'd, I'd, I'm like a, in very few ways am I like an Arsenal fan, but I have a strange belief in the power of Jack Wilshire. That little patch Bayern of, Robin is available. Is he, he going to actually leave Bayern? I don't know. He, he is ancient. Um, he is, so, but he's got uh, faster every year since he turned 29 for some <laughs> that's right, mysterious that's right. reason. Mm, yeah, is there something to do with Pep's favourite doctor? Don't know. I feel, like, I feel like mine was vague enough that I could have claimed in court to just be saying that it was for some vague reason, but you have absolutely unquestionably just linked it to performance-enhancing drug suggestions. I, I certainly did not. Okay, fair enough. He's an expert fitness coach. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, 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 good. Just so we're very clear. Fitness in a bottle or a vial. <laughs> that's the name of his system. Um, just it, that's just the that's just like a nutritional supplement that he uses to make sure everyone's muscles are properly activated before training, right? 
One of the big things that will affect the transfer market, of course, is is incoming managers. There's going to be a new manager at Arsenal. Yep. Um, there's going to be a, a new manager at uh, Chelsea, we yep. presume. Yeah. Uh, Conte going. They're, are they both after the same manager? They might be. Um, and the really big job, there'll be a new manager at Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Commons perhaps didn't do his due diligence properly after leaving Wales, waited for ages and then picked... Sunderland so relegated from the championship and uh, and sold this week and sacked their manager. Very very strange, very strange situation. Uh, they they've gone down again. I mean, couldn't happen to a nicer bunch, right? But you know, oh, what about Pochettino who gave all sorts of weird comments um, after the FA Cup semi final? Talk about me or another coach another manager or me or another coach have to get over this at Tottenham and start winning things Tottenham need more time with me or with another he said so maybe maybe we'd have a new coach there as he goes off to replace Zidane at Real Madrid or something uh and talking to Pochettino and he he does have some kind of uh idiosyncrasies in his English so you can you forgive him sometimes for not being quite uh clear on what he's trying to say but he said this week that uh Harry Kane was very sad and uh and the club had been trying to help him uh after the uh FA's official account made fun of him uh for uh, <laughs> trying to claim every goal going I mean, but the, no, that this, is that what they made fun of him for? I think no. Yeah. I think it was worse than that. I think the um, the FA Cup official account tweeted a a, a question like, uh, "Where's who? What's that in your pocket, Chris?" And then uh, a yeah, little yeah, clip yeah. of Chris Smalling saying, "Harry Kane." The came. FA um, account had made fun of him for trying to claim goals as well. So oh, he's, he's <laughs> getting it from both barrels. This is what are they doing? Like this is England's shining hope. Shouldn't they be building him up rather than knocking him down? Now he needs to come see you, Paul. You can, you, you know, your your service. He uh, <laughs> he needs some help. Listen, don't cheapen it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, all right. Well, that was the the, the worst segment on transfer rumours ever. I mean, uh, just, I guess... Just because I needed three items in the headline, so, I, I've been uh, held to account there, I think. Fellaini and Martial, I would say, like, in in reducing order of likelihood of leaving, obviously Carrick's going. Fellaini, number one most likely. Martial, second most likely. Mata, I, I don't know. I, I think I would still be pretty surprised if we sell Juan Mata, unless he's saying, no, I've just turned 30. Happy birthday, Juan, by the way. Um, I've just turned 30. I want to play every single game somewhere, um, which would be understandable. But unless that happens, I, I think he's going to see out at least another year with us. Uh, De Gea, like you said, Mourinho's flatly denied it. We think that Shaw's probably going to leave. Um and I don't know that there's anyone else who's very obvious that they're going to leave unless there's specific incomings. Yeah, a couple of interesting stories this week. Uh, it seems that Wayne Rooney's on the way out at Everton. Uh, did, what, what happened to the dream, lads? I mean, what what a shocking, unpredictable turn of events. What an, what an amazing turn of events. I mean, he's actually t- had a much better season than I expected him to have, to be fair. But it's all gone very badly wrong uh, in the second half of it. But he's, he's going to enjoy the championship or MLS. I mean, he should uh, just go to it. He should go to MLS. And, and the other piece of news, uh, Stephen Gerrard offered the job at Rangers. Bit odd. Oh, right. right. Given that he's had about 20 games as a youth coach, but... Uh, uh, got definitely got that job on name, I would say. Rooney got ten goals in the Premier League this season. Well done, well Rooney. done, Wayne. Well, that's not bad. 
It's not bad it's at all. It's better than he'd done in the Premier League for United for a couple of seasons. Uh, not Maybe not a couple of seasons. Fair to say that he's dropped off a little bit since he hasn't scored. Sorry, shouldn't laugh. <laughs> he hasn't scored since the 18th of December. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, three of those it's a long ten, old season, Wayne, isn't it? You know, three of those ten goals came in one game against West Ham. It's nice. Basically, it's really funny. I've just got the page. It's just like, as always, pretty slow start. I mean, scored a couple of goals, but then a big dry patch and a massive purple patch in the end of November and December, where it's like goals and assists every game, and then just absolutely nothing ever since. It's just, it's just classic, classic Wayne. All right, um, tell us about Brighton and Hove Albin. Um, I like Chris Hewn a lot, um, and he, he got a very rough treatment at Newcastle, uh, where he was replaced by Alan Pardew, which is a fate no one should, with any dignity, should have to suffer. Um, and he's done an absolutely amazing job, because they've not spent tons of money, and they've always almost certainly kept a newly promoted team that have been out of the top flight picture for 30 years. He's almost kept, certainly kept him in the Premier League at the first time of asking. Um, was pretty impressive, really. I mean... It is. They haven't won in, in seven games across all competitions since they beat uh, Arsenal in the uh, in the league back in early March, um, which is a bit of a problem, you know. It is, but uh, and they... that was a gimme, wasn't it? Because that doesn't really count. They beat Brighton at home in the FA Cup. Who? Uh, a couple, a couple of uh, Coventry at home in the FA Cup a couple of weeks before that. I mean, they um, they, they they drew with Spurs uh, a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? At home, which was a big result as part of Spurs' weird wobble. Um, I mean, the, the the one that would have been gutting for them, of course, would have been the the loss to Palace. Um, although I, I think they'd probably be at least heart. That was a crazy game, wasn't it? They'd be at the they'd be at least heartened by the fact that, that that loss probably doesn't matter too much for them. Although, of course, they'd have been delighted to be the cause of relegating Palace because Palace and Brighton are each other's biggest rivals. Despite being 60 miles apart. It's a, it's a beautifully strange... Can you think of another derby that the play, the teams are that far apart? I mean, how far... Liverpool and Manchester's nearer than that, miles, isn't it? 35 miles, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I mean, what that is, is the ex. Excellent transport links, Derby. That's what that <laughs> yeah, Croydon and Brighton doesn't take very long on the yeah, Thames link, does it? Exactly. That's it's like it's it's a commuter based rivalry. Very strange. <laughs> or maybe it's maybe it's a bird thing, eagles versus seagulls. Um that would seem like a bit of a no contest in theory. Um good, good rhyming though. Good rhyming. Yeah. Uh, who who plays up front? Is it Ojoa or or Glenn Murray? Probably probably Murray starts. Oh, he had a little massive little purple patch, didn't he, Glenn Murray? He was scoring every week. Um uh, but I think that's that's cooled off a little bit. Um but, but yeah, he's he's he started a lot of games for them recently. Uh and he's he's scored like Plenty of goals, but like I said, there was a, there was that purple patch around January, February, where where it seemed like he just couldn't stop scoring. There was even World Cup talk for Glenn Murray. <laughs> no, don't don't be silly, don't be silly. <laughs> but Look, they've got some play, good players as well. You know, they will stay up. I'm sure they just need the point. Yeah, and maybe uh, and they might not even need a point. Might not even need a point. And clearly, you know, they, they are not the richest team in the league. Didn't spend tons of money in the summer. 
Um, but they, you know, they've been building. They've got this brand new stadium, given where they were a few years ago. You know, without a stadium and playing on the road and all of that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's quite a transformation. And you know, um, yeah, who, who can you call that? The two centre backs, um, Shane Duffy and Lewis Dunk, have been excellent all season, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, Pascal Gross, decent when I've seen him in midfield. He's a nice player, isn't he? But he's put up um, some pretty decent numbers as well. So put some decent numbers assists. up. Yeah. Uh, interesting that Anthony Knockhart having his second go round in the Premier League um, didn't didn't really uh, pull up any trees at Leicester and then did fantastically in the Championship. Got all sorts of uh, plaudits and acknowledgement for his performances last season in the Championship, where he was clearly Brighton's best player. But there's there's no way you'd say he'd been Brighton's best player in their Premier League campaign. I mean, he's 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 going to be really. He's still. At 26, you'd think he's kind of, this is who he is, right? But but he hasn't had a, a ton of, of top-level experience. So it be interesting to see if he can kind of kick on a little bit next season, having had a season of at least regularly playing in the, in the Premier League. Right. Yeah. I mean, it'll be tough for Brighton next season for sure. Um, so, you know, the, the teams that are going to come up, um, there, there's some very there's some very decent teams in the Championship. I mean, you're, I mean obviously Wolves are... Up and then you've got Fulham, Villa, Cardiff, likely all to finish with a very high points total. Actually, someone is definitely going to feel robbed yeah. after the uh, after the playoffs in the in the Championship there. Um, and you know, obviously, all of those teams have been in the Premier League fairly recently. Uh, Wolves have money and dodgy connections uh, to go there, and um, so it'll be you know it'll be a tough campaign for them again next season, Brighton. But they do have a good manager. Um, you know, nice guy and all of that as well. Uh, apparently, nice guys can make it in the Premier League, mm-hmm. uh, and they're good stadium, good support, uh, decent team, good players. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll reinvest in the summer, and and uh, you know, it seems like a, a club on the up that's sort of well run. But then again, we said that about Swansea and Southampton not that long ago, didn't we? So, well, yeah, uh, but they were, and the problem is in both those. Well, in Swansea's case, they they got. I think the new ownership probably caused a big problem because they lost that coherence of structure and style and they changed their managers just slightly too frequently. But in Southampton's case, I mean, it's just an unsustainable transfer policy, isn't it? Because they not only were they replacing that, not only was their manager picked off all the time by bigger clubs, but then every one of their good players has been sold basically and and yeah. you just it's just unsustainable eventually no, that's right and they they picked the wrong coach i mean they thought pellegrini was bochettino didn't they yeah and he wasn't no no absolutely not um so th- it's interesting that the united brighton game has an interesting dynamic in terms of stakes doesn't it because neither team have really really massive stakes riding on it because you know it can be pretty confident that, well they've qualified for the champions league so that's done and they could be pretty confident that they're going to finish second um there's still though uh there'll still be a full two weeks and a bit be- between that game and the cup final so you'd think there's places up for grabs in that um starting 11 in the FA Cup final but of course people are worried about injuries and all that sort of stuff yeah you would do i mean but given the the level of intensity against arsenal you know, yeah. today um I, I can't imagine that united will be super intense for this one no. Brighton will be because they, they may well need the points so you know it'll be interesting and of course it's not that long since that fa cup game where um although united were good value for the win brighton created a ton of chances mm. in that game so you know they may fall despite only having 
you know, a small amount of possession, the amount of chances they created meant that they could have got more from that game. Mm. Um, so they'll certainly feel confident enough that they can have a go at United, and and they can. Yeah, yeah I mean, it'll be interesting to see the levels of motivation from United in this one, especially if United are ten percent below par because you know par isn't that great so 10% below is, is, is kind of a big problem um but you know we thought the other week that maybe United would struggle in uh in that game ahead of the semi-final against Bournemouth and actually it's a really functional 2-0 on a weekday night so maybe we're going to get another functional 2-0 on a weekday night yeah, let's hope so. Uh, Friday night, yeah. weird having games on a Friday night, but you know, um, I, there will be fantastic support for United as ever. Um, even though people have to take a day off to to go do it, maybe they'll, they'll uh, have a weekend out in Brighton as well. Yeah, maybe so. All right, let's predict a score for that game. It seems um, so ridiculous to do. It's just throwing darts at a dartboard, isn't it? I'm going to say two one to United. All right, I'll go two 0 I'll go. A rep- I will go for the Bournemouth and and see see United winning two 0 Very good. All right, um, and otherwise we'll be back here with another one of these next week where we talk about that weird Friday night game against relegation strugglers and predict the and sort of preview the last two games of the season, which both happen the week after. Um, bit of a downtime in the season as everyone sort of gears up for. Yeah, we it always comes to this at the end of the season doesn't it well, well the last few seasons when it, it doesn't really matter didn't, anymore didn't used to ed didn't used to no <laughs> it used, used to be much more exciting at this stage of the season this used to be the good bit um but yeah there's there's a cup final to look forward to and we will look forward to that thank you to for sticking with us if you have and um, well if you're listening to this you definitely have so thank you for that um we'll be back uh same time next week see you then Thank you very much for listening to another episode of The Rankcast, which, as always, is brought to you by the people who crowdfund us at patreon.com slash rankcast. Uh, the crowdfunding model means we never have to run adverts, um, so you don't hear adverts for betting companies and razor blades and mattresses and all the things that get advertised on podcasts. Uh, and instead, people fund us directly. If you don't fancy funding us, one of the ways that you can help us is by leaving a review, especially a five-star review, over on uh, the podcast app uh, on Apple devices which uh helps us go up the podcast charts is very helpful um and if you do want to back us if you back us at over five dollars a month plus vat you get access to bonus content every week this week we spent 20 minutes talking about andres iniesta and spain lost their first game in that tournament you know there were there was all this room for self-doubt at that point but apparently the story goes Iniesta stays up all night after that game watching watching it over and over again and then goes and speaks to the Spanish coach who'd been doing the same thing and he says boss we have to keep playing the same way this is fine it's all for we're definitely you know we were by far the best team we just got unlucky and the boss said I was going to say exactly the same thing so he become he goes from this heartbreaking um, battles with injury, serious battles with depression as well, um, which he's kind of talked openly about, which is quite a, a beautiful thing for a top-level sports person to do. Um, and then to go from all that to the culmination of that being him scoring the winner in the World Cup final, the the kind of the most ridiculous scripted ending, the, the kind of Hollywood would throw this out for of being course, so yeah. saccharine. Right, right at the death against Holland. What he didn't ever get was the individual honours. I mean, he's, he's come second and third and...